1: Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.
3: ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com
4: Welcome to the London Review Bookshop Podcast. To find out about our upcoming events, visit londonreviewbookshop.co.uk forward slash events. I think we should start in 1989. Okay, okay. In the spirit of the book, we should have a little date in the corner, 1989. So how did you get to uh, be in RAW and part of that group of artists, Uh meeting Art Spiegelman, Francois Mouly? Mm -hmm. Can you give us a bit of background on that?
3: Okay. 1989. Well, I guess it's really 1988. I was... um, well, I was already a big fan of Raw. Raw, has, Raw was just a big, big, beautiful format comic that Art Spiegelman made that I just was you know, crazy about. But I hadn't done any comics at that point. What was I doing? I was pasting up drawings on the street. That's what I did. When I first moved to New York, I was doing these drawings, and I would just be the, these kind of like um, ripped stencil drawings that I would write a funny little phrase around, and then I would glue them up. And it was my response to graffiti that I was out just doing this. As I was pasting up posters for my band at the time, I was pasting up these drawings. So was
4: there a narrative going on? in There was, drawings?
3: Well, there was a, it was a loose narrative. There was a main, there was a, a character called Ixney, which was like a shadow character. And that was my uh, kind of alter ego. So I was doing that. I was doing graphics for the band. I was doing all the posters for the band and the record sleeves. I went to see a, a lecture that Art Spiegelman had done, and my takeaway from that was, um, I mean, he was talking, he showed like the history of comics, and he was also, you know, showing the mechanics of how comics work, and that is the big takeaway from me, was the fact that comics, they're essentially diagrams. And when I came home, I just moved into an apartment, and I was staring at the corner of the room, and I was thinking, oh, I can make a story and use the corner of the room as a dividing line, and I could make the past, go, like, have half the, half the frame, a split screen, and have half the frame going into the past and the other half going into the future. And then um, a friend showed me his computer with the, uh, the Windows program. And when I saw the Windows program and all those windows, I thought, oh, I can do multiple views of time. So that was the, salute, the big big Eureka moment.
4: And were there any comics in your childhood or anything that you sort of remembered back to or re-associated yourself with when you realized you were going to do a comic as well?
3: You know, I was... um, I was aware of comics like Crazy Cat and Popeye and, you know, but my... my, You know, I really... It wasn't until... I guess I was on this trajectory of, of... of doing artwork mostly, and um, but I really wasn't into the comic scene. My brothers were into super he- superhero comics and things, but I must have been. It must have been the Raw magazine that really, you know, showed me a way that, that got me excited about doing something. But, you know, there was a review in Harper's last month that was referring to the Crumb Robert Crumb uh, strip that was. Um, Crossroads of America? Mm -hmm. Do you know this one? I don't know if everyone knows this, but it shows just, um, you know, it's just a corner of a typical American city, and then you start to see, um, you know, the city builds up, and you're just seeing a change over time. And so I know I must have seen that because I was a fan of some of the, well, I'm definitely a fan of Crumb. Yeah. And he also did one of a, a strip of Mr. Natural that Mr. Natural rolls out his meditation mat and he's in the desert and he's meditating and then the city builds up around him and then it eventually it crumbles down and then he's back to being in the desert and he rolls up his mat. So I know i I saw that too. Yeah. I know, so that must have been bouncing Actually around. It must have been bouncing around.
4: The demonstration of time. Right. Changing. So, um, so when it came to doing the story, mm-hmm. we have this very, very... Strict format of looking into a corner of a room, and then watching pieces of time, pieces of motion, people talking across time, across years, across decades. Where did that start to come from? You well, mentioned a couple, but yeah. when did it start to crystallise to a yeah. this very tight corner of a room
3: format? Well, it seems I'm seeing a pattern with the way I work. Is like I come up with a structure and then it seems like I'm always hanging things on top of the structure. So having the situation on this room, I now had to fill it full of characters, and this is pre-internet days, so the only source, or the main source I had was my family photos. Hmm. So, you know, to go back, and actually that was another thing I meant to mention was that my father took lots of photos of us, well, every year he took a family photo. In the same exact place. And so, and I put some of them into the book. So, um, for those, uh, I'm just going to, this is just paging through the book right now. And what I thought I would do is just go to show that one little view of my family photos, which I put into the book.
4: So, a lot of the images, a lot of the drawings to me look Photographs they look like they there was definitely a photograph there at the origin of the drawing
3: Yes, everything is based on photos. Everything. Here's 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 the little family group here. I am
5: yeah
3: I'm in the lower left over the there, okay, and then if I am um, I don't if I'm gonna have to And
4: there's a few years of those was this a yearly event it's gathering for
3: the family photo. Yes a yearly event there. I am devolved <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, family source was the main thing. Is this a true story? Which one? The one. The joke. This joke. <laughs> the guy dying yeah, with yeah, laughter, well, literally, um, almost. The beginning. For those who don't know the book, there's a, a really there's <laughs> d- a really dumb joke at the beginning of the book where it's um this um oh god it's a it's like a, a guy calls his doctor and for some test results and then the doctor says, I have some good news and some bad news. And he says, okay, well, uh, tell me the good news. He says, the good news is you have 24 hours to live. And he says, that's the good news. What's the bad news? And he says, I should have told you yesterday. So that's the dumb joke. But my cousin- A joke about time, though. <laughs> right, a joke about time. But my cousin told me that it happened to someone he knows that they told that joke and somebody fell over dead at the end of the joke. And I couldn't believe it myself. So I was like, "That's going straight you know, in, straight, in, straight the in." book. yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, that's how the book starts. Okay. And
4: um, it, it was. It occurred to me when I was looking at it. It's almost like you were coming at memories from almost arbitrary idea. I remember somebody somebody told me if you want to re- remember uh, y- your life when you were twenty, when you were ten, whatever, come at it from a funny. Position like like what shoes you were wearing or something like that and you start to remember things from a Unusual mm. angle and it all starts to come back to you in a usual mm. way I wonder because because there are so many, there are several things in here like the Sun and like animals And it's almost like you'd listed how how many different ways can I? put these Through time in different iterations through time mm-hmm. is that is that a way that you were I do
3: it? I, well I do I was making hundreds of lists and just trying to hit these these points that I knew that were universal for everyone. Um, you know, there's like, so there's themes like loss. There's a section of loss where people are losing, you know, their keys and their wallets and their minds. And, you know, it's just uh, everyone's losing something. Then there's another part where people are, you know, uh, misunderstanding each other. So I was grouping yeah. things under these kinds yeah. of things. And then trying to hit all those kind of points of like going, you know, you know, birthdays, weddings, all these things I was thinking they were common. And um, it was um, when I was pulling together the research for the book version, I, I came across. Well, I there was a few things I was I, I got a fellowship at the New York Public Library. And it's a kind of a great thing called the Coleman Center. And it's something usually just it's a literary uh, fellowship, but they do take on a few Uh, Visual artists and I was lucky enough to get one of those So I was able to do a lot of research there about the actual location of where I grew up Because in the first book I didn't say anything of where it was. I wanted it to be like in every place when I really had to dig into uh, For the book version, you know, I went back and I read all these newspapers from my hometown and I just you know was digging 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 finding photo archives they have some great collections of people's scrapbooks of photos and you know I met some collector who collects vernacular photography and I was going through all his photos and that's one thing that I found like you start to look at family photos they all start looking alike there's everyone has these same pivotal events you know it's like you know the graduation pictures and the you know the holidays and so it starts to have these you know they they all look the same
4: and also photographs from a particular era all share certain things they share the the certain attitude to posing for a photograph the way they cropped
3: well i was really purposeful i mean it's really going out of my way to find those casual moments of of people just doing a little gesture something something that wasn't posed i was really going for that Uh that was really what you know there's some funny little moments like um well, let me see if I can find something quickly here.
4: Like, my father... Oh, that, go that, ahead. That's an important bit of history here. A oh, yes. moment of yes. American Say, history. Yeah, we're going to
3: have to keep jumping around the, the way the book works. We're going to have to, as we do this, because there's no other way to talk about this.
4: But that sort of specifies that it, this is taking place in New Jersey. Is that correct?
3: Yes. Yeah. Yes. I had to actually um, eventually commit to... Commit to a place. A place. <laughs> But in 300 like,
4: pages, you have to commit to But I
3: didn't want to mention the place even even in interviews. I felt a little weird about because it was kind of like, you know, then otherwise then people keep saying, oh, it's a history of this yeah. town. And it's not a history of this town. I mean, there are some historic moments, but yes. it's not really... So were you going to start talking about the place across the street? Was that what the... Well, no, <laughs> I mean, because <I,
4: laughs> gonna... you, you mentioned trying to make it in every place, but, right. this, but uh, this was the bit that, that seemed to really, you know, it, it tied it to a place. Yes. It, there's a very particular bit of uh, history with William Franklin, yes. Ben's son.
3: Yes. illegitimate son. Um, this building across the street, I hope you can almost see that over there. It's actually, I actually tucked it over to the side because I, I was kind of de-emphasizing the story because okay. of the... Franklin connection, I didn't want him to be suddenly like, he's like a rock star history figure, and I didn't want that to take over the book. So, um, but if you walked out my front door, you would smack dab directly across the street is this building that is huge. And I always knew that Franklin was associated with it somehow. But I didn't really know until I started really digging that it was his son's house. And Ben Franklin had this um, illegitimate child that he raised himself, as a single parent, raised this kid, and they were really, really close, and they did all those electrical experiments together, like in you know, those famous fo- things where you see Franklin out there with the kite and the key, it's really William Franklin out there running around in the rain, and yep. Ben is in the house, just like waving, you know, like, but, uh, but they were really close, and then um, they, um, they split politically as, they, as he grew older and he, he remained, uh, uh, he was a loyalist yep. and, um, and Ben came to London to try to get us, you know, to negotiate us out of the revolution. Yeah. And... He um, terrorist. Right, right. <laughs> and he, um, he went back to, to convince his son that he was on the wrong side of history. But there's even strange things even with that that when I started digging I would come up with this stuff that I couldn't really use for the book Without too much explanation. Mm, yeah. Like, okay, Benjamin Franklin had a bastard son. He had a bastard son. It's like Benjamin Franklin took his grandson to, to London. And then when he went to visit his son, he brought the, his grandson along with him. His grandson was 15 years old at the time. And the last time Benjamin Franklin was in the town, he was 15 years old. Mm-hmm. When he was passing through on his way to Philadelphia before he becomes a big famous guy. So I'm, I, I'm seeing these like patterns... But it just seemed like, okay, this is not the Benjamin Franklin I'm story, sorry, so I don't want know. to get into that. I want to just reduce it to just a little argument of a father and a son that's happening across the street. So I didn't want to make it a big
4: Okay, big I'm deal. sorry, I didn't make a, you mean to oh. make it a big deal <laughs> But i, see, I sorry. I, I like that, 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 that the story stops in these little moments, stops in these places, and implies a whole depth of stuff beyond and after it. Right. And you're free to go and explore. I, I spent some happy time exploring <laughs> the lives of William Franklin and Ben Franklin.
3: Okay, well, what I to, one thing I did want to point out was, lots of the photo, oh, well, this is my, this, this right here, this is a picture of my dad so and my sister. About. And there's a little sequence here where he just kisses her. And um, that up just so people. And it, what, it, my dad was um, always behind the camera, but I caught this little glimpse of him. It was at the end of a Super 8 film, Super 8 films for those who don't know that old technology, these little tiny films. And the film is sputtering out of the you know projector, and I see these last couple frames where he kisses my sister, and it was such a nice little moment yeah. that I was able to and I feel like. By painting each frame and just make it in, you know, slowing down the motion, it made it, you know, stronger to slow it down.
4: But doesn't that, it it functions very much like memory. If you were trying to remember that afternoon, it would, in your mind, it would focus on that little moment.
3: Right. I've been thinking a lot about, uh, you know, when you come away from this talk tonight I don't know what you're gonna what you're gonna retain, but it's like that's the kind of thing like I just had a conversation with a friend earlier, and I was lo- trying to say, okay, now what was it? And you only see in your at least this is how it works for me, I just see a few pictures, maybe a, a gesture somebody made, yeah. and you know a few keywords and if you're lucky if you can remember that much, of something It's just amazing how fragmented we' and, and I was wondering, well, why did I remember just those little those moments yeah. and maybe I was in the now for this, only those moments. Mm. And I maybe mean, I was all over the place making connections in my head, thinking of, you know, because we're constantly flying through time. You know, on the way over here, I'm looking out the window and I'm seeing a place I'm going, oh, the last time I was in London, I saw this. And, you know, you're just like either going forward or backward constantly.
4: I think it has something to do with the fact that you remember... You remember something if, you, if you've repeated it to yourself. So if you... If you if, if, if we're all here this, this afternoon, this evening now. If there is one thing that's said or one little gesture or one something and you've re- you remember it in ten minutes' time and then in an hour's time, it kind of locks... And then that becomes the memory of this event. And it doesn't matter, it might become a bit of a photocopy of the memory, so it might change a
3: bit. Well, they say that too, and that every time you remember something, you erode kind of, it. You erode it slightly. And do you know, what's that thing called?
4: And it is true, it does change. If you can find proof of what happened, this is recorded somewhere, you'll come back in five years' time and go, actually, he didn't quite say that, it was something I've misremembered.
3: It. Right. But I was suddenly thinking of that, that trick that they tell you when you're trying to remember something, like a long speech... What's the thing called, like, the palace of memory? Yeah. Do you know that, what I'm talking about? I don't know if I really re- the Memory palace. Memory palace. Memory, yeah. yeah, the, the idea of, like, you think of a house and somehow you think of all these really odd things that... Uh, the stranger it, the image, the easier it is yeah, to remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I just think, well, so maybe this is, a, this is a, a sort of a memory palace. I was just
4: going to point it that way. I love this, uh, the, the, um, the little tumble. Oh, that's um, my cousin. In um, slow motion.
3: That's my cousin doing this, the, the headstand here.
4: Again, that's that really feels like memory to me. Ah. Those little pieces of time.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, I did, I've, I've done a couple of books about memory. And the first one I ended up just doing in still images and combinations yeah. of sort of texture. A bit of texture and a bit of a map and a bit of a still image. And then thought about it afterwards. Actually, no, I don't really remember that. I did another book and it was all little moments of time. Mm. Just little turns of the head mm. or little... Mm. Little bits of fragments of time, and they they bleed off. They go a bit soft at the edges, where I'm not sure what happened before, I'm not sure what happened afterwards. But but during that moment, mm-hmm. you get a little tumble,
3: right. and it, right. that's
4: what crystallizes the memory.
3: Well, I was trying to think some the other night. We was talking with friends, and we were trying to remember our very first first memory. And I do I remember before we moved to the house, I was um, we lived in an apartment, and it was the building was close enough to the building next door that my mom and the woman next door used to open their windows and just talk across the alley. And I remember the woman said, oh, I have a little gift for your son. And she went off, and then she came back, and she took a little doll, and she threw it through the window, and this doll came tumbling in. And I think it's my very, very first memory. Because I must have been two, probably, you know. So, anyway. I thought I'd share it with So. History of Christmas trees. Christmas, Christmas trees. The first um, one's a bit...
4: A bit be dragon.
3: <laughs> and a bit wonky. Well, you know, it was a real photo of a crazy-looking Christmas tree, and I couldn't resist.
4: So, it was the family uh, so it's a bit better. You were able to get a more upright Christmas tree and a bit. A bit well, it's not all. Christmas
3: it's tree. not all. Uh, it's, this is not a memoir. It's I mean, bi- it's not. It's not exactly one-to-one uh, memories. Okay. It's a real mix of. Uh, actually, this 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 is uh, on the couch in the the woman with the baby on the couch. That's me as a baby that's my mom and next to her is my uh great grandmother holding my mom and my sister Mary is holding her son Tim and this is my my aunt uh Rose who had 11 children and i felt that she should be on this page as this this is my salute to mo- uh, mom's i had the woman on the far right it was just an image i found in a photo album in the garbage that i just loved the composition of it and just Put her in there. But it's funny how, like, in my notes, I had this idea of having like a sea of moms and babies coming. Mm. I wanted to have this whole thing of this having this, you know. And it finally, I mean, this is how these things get distilled down. Like, my idea was to have like hundreds and hundreds of moms and babies coming. But, um, so this is the list
4: based on your photo album home, really, just categorizing all those photos. As as well, okay, yeah. it's, it's the mo- mother spread.
3: The mother spread. But it's like, you know, there was a lot of ways of plotting the book. I had, I had a, a timeline that went all the way around my studio. And then I would uh, fill in little marks where I, where I find something really that I really wanted to put in. I would put mark it. But then eventually I started putting up all the pages and then cutting things out and rearranging things and trying to find the right, correct flow. So there's a lot of different ways of, uh, of conducting it. Yeah. You know. yeah. oh. oh,
4: this is the interactive version. <laughs> yes, it's, it's a shame. Yeah. Even but, more complicated. Uh, maybe, of course, the history of this room is vast in, in time. Right. The, the history of humans' interaction in it is a tiny little blip. That's true. Um, and most of the time, you've got trees and forest and all that. I love right. the fact that they put forest on the walls oh, yeah. wow. to remind themselves right. that they're only a little blip away from not being there anymore.
3: The Indians. A relationship to the, the Indians. Indians that are the, there. The, so you've got Del- Delaware Indians, is that correct? Well, called the, they were the Lenni Lenape tribe. That's, that's the, the language, isn't it? Well, Lenape language? The, yeah, well, that's the, the, the official name the official. of that. Uh, and they were, they were like the, the grandfather tribe of the East Coast. And they were all in kind of New York, New Jersey area. And they were there for 11,000 years before the Dutch arrived. Yeah. And uh, I read a lot of letters from the Dutch, like writing home about little stories and things because I was trying to find one of those little moments, like the kid doing the headstand. I wanted something the equivalent yeah. in the Lenape uh, you know it 's like something small. I did found this, I found this one little story where the guy said um, that they made this big kind of ceremony, and they presented him with this little packet and they opened it up and it was just dirt in there. And the guy didn't know what to make of it. And he was like, you know, and so I put that in the book where it's mm-hmm. like this guy thinks, he says, is this a joke? You know, and it's like this, because there was all this kind of like miscommunication, lots of hand signals. I mean, that's the only way they could um, communicate was by pantomime. Okay. And uh, so I kind of interlaced that with my father not hearing me and he's, so that's a little moment of the misunderstanding moment where, there's somebody doing a charades party in the background while the Indians are not being understood. And... I wanted to talk about music.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, because you're a musician. Right.
4: The, the, the book felt very musical to me. It felt structured like a piece of music. It felt like it's almost symphonic. It started slow and gentle and eased you into an empty room. Mm-hmm. And then, as you say, there are these... these um, sequences where you get little categories of things that you're talking about, little moments of activity of lots, lots of, suddenly there was lots of sound and lots of uh, melody and counterpoint and syncopation, all this stuff going on. And then it eased off again. And it felt very much structured like of music. I was wondering if that's true. And if you listen to music and if music was an inspiration in creating the
3: book. Well, yeah, I mean, that was one of the biggest difficulties I had with the it, it being a nonlinear story, I was really having trouble with the writing. And at first, I thought, "Oh, maybe I need really long narrative threads to hold the viewer." And the longer I worked on it, the more I realized I'm getting further away from the original idea of what worked in the first version. So I started having to break those uh, long threads, and I realized that the only way I could make it feel right was to think of it as music and that's why I put up all the pages on my wall to try to, to see the flow of it. Mm. And I knew like it, it needed rests and it needed crescendos and I finally um, figured that out. But it took a while for me to get there. Mm. And even like, um, you know, when I was talking about making those lists, I was making lists, I was treating the language just as much as a collage as the images. The language is, is very much collage in the same way, and as a, as a, you know, I'm just, sometimes I'm just listening to it. I mean, sometimes it's just about the sound of the words. There's a guy, um... That's a particularly beautiful oh, thanks. spread. thanks. When, where,
4: I mean, the, 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 the silence of the forest, or the sound in the forest, actually, the sounds mm. in the forest, mm. are, are, you can tell they're in her head. I mean, mm. you, they, they, there's a real it's silence fun. in the room, and yet... Science, so far. It just remi- it reminded me of that, you know, that old saying, if a tree falls in a forest, you know, it just, uh, I think it's a really, really beautiful Well, one. it's
3: funny how they sometimes do feel like they're the memories of the people in the frame. Like it's somehow, like in this particular one, it does feel a little like that.
4: Is that, I think that's because we can't help but draw a story. Right. That's what our brains do. Right. Given two pictures, we
3: find a story between them. Right. That is true. Uh, This is a little moment of the end of the world happening on the TV. There, Um, I I actually, and I was reading about how, at a certain point, the sun is supposed to run out of energy, expand, and suck in all the planets, and supposedly that's the end of the, the Earth. And so I was actually going to do it as this big dramatic scene with like you know burning. Walls and everything, and then I just thought, Oh my god, like it's just so melodramatic. I just, just kept getting smaller and smaller, and it just becomes this little dot on the TV screen. Yes, and uh, I think it was a better way. I, actually, that was I've said it in other interviews, but it was m- my motto was to make the big things small and the small things big. Okay. And I thought that that's kind of an example with the the Benjamin Franklin story, too, yeah. is just to you know, it's often the, shrug- the yeah, like shrink that down because I, I really wanted it to be about just little things like. You know, someone touching someone or, you know, it's just little moments, you know.
4: Having said that, Matt, we, we, it's not a very happy ending for mankind in this story. Well. In who's the to future. Say,
3: who's to, it's, it, they, you just because you don't see the anybody. Wa- the water rises <laughs> they, pretty damn quickly. Well, there was a, a friend of mine who's a climate scientist and he showed me these projected maps and you see that it's all going to be flooded at a certain point. And then I have, uh, there's a future moment where there's a tour guide showing yes. uh, the future. Holographic. Holographic uh, images. And then um, and then a horrible uh, radiation accident seems to Well, it's because, yeah, it's because when I, was, when I was working on the book, the Fukushima accident yes. happened. So that was on my mind. And then there was the sandy hurricane that wiped out all these houses in that same kind of, well, a little more south than where this takes place. But it, it, I just thought, okay, you know, I should, I can't, you know, that's a possibility. That's a possibility. And then, uh, but I. And then I was also reading that in uh, Chernobyl, I think it's 20,000 years that Chernobyl, the radiation will be back to normal yeah. level. So that's why I made this huge jump to 20,000 years. But it's kind of like, um, you know, there's like orchids and there's... Uh, you know, the hummingbirds, the hummingbirds. And, so, uh, and there's a little creature in the background, yes. who I don't know, he's a, some kind of mutation or something, and I just thought, well, you know, it's not, it's not totally negative. No. There's still, I mean, no. just because you don't see any people doesn't necessarily mean that all life is gone. Not at all. And, um, um, Evolution in action, that,
4: that, that strange little creature in the background.
3: Yeah, there was something I wanted to show you, that um, I found a photograph of a bear, Okay.
4: Actually, I was just going to come to that, because the animals play a really lovely... They have yeah. their, their own whole story going through
3: here. Well, yeah, the animals pop up all the time. But there was this one photograph I found of a bear, and the bear had... It was in a zoo, and I could have sworn it was in the London Zoo, but maybe I'm wrong. But it, was, it had lost all its hair. And it just looked like this strange prehistoric creature, because you just saw these folds in its skin, and it didn't look like any recognizable animal that you could see. And um, so I thought, okay, maybe this is the bear of the future, or, yeah, yeah. where it's like, you know, it, they, they, they just... They've evolved how, that. They've thing. evolved where they don't have any hair. Yeah. So I was saving that image and I was going to say, okay. Then I was doing the research about the Lenape Indians and I found out that they had this myth bear, there was this hairless bear. So I was like, oh, great, so now he can be bear of the past and bear of the future simultaneously. So I put them both, there's both those images. And in the middle, the boy in the bear suit? Oh yeah. yeah, I put that as another like so there's all these echoes yes. and rhyming visual rhyming yeah. things happening. That's part of the part of the way life works. <laughs> yes.
4: And a nice <laughs> moment to me all and, the time. A, and a nice moment with a couple looking at a stag head mounted on the wall saying Don't like it. Right. I like that right. as well. well the, guess, an, uh, the animals have their own life. I really love right. That.
3: right. This image here this is a future image. This these guys playing with the, um, this game. Yeah. This actually came to me from a dream I had. Um, there was, um, I was dreaming, actually when I was looking at all these photographs from my house, I was dreaming a lot about the actual house. And uh, in this dream, I was looking out the window and I saw my sister, but it was like a teenage version of my sister. And I opened the window and stuck my head out to yell to her and there was all this wind going by and suddenly all this hair in my face And I had long hair when I was a kid, so um, when I woke up, I was like, oh, so I became younger when I stuck my head through the window. And then I used it in this little sequence with these guys playing with this virtual game here, because this guy sticks his head in, and you can see it becomes a younger version of himself. A holographic game.
4: I wanted to ask you about a couple of artists that I thought might have influenced this a little bit. One of them is really, well, I think reasonably obvious, Edward Hopper. Yeah. There's, a, there's a, his paintings of looking into the corner of the room and that, that, that sort of peace
3: and absence of people. Film, yeah, yeah. pictures about absence. That's true. I wondered I, if they, they played a part know, You all. Sure. I mean, I was always a fan of, of Hopper. There was actually a strange connection that happened um, just when I was finishing the cover of the book. Um, okay, I had to backtrack a little bit. I did a cover that was um, kind of a collage. And it, I didn't know what to make of it. I was like, I knew it wasn't the exact right cover yet. And um, there's this guy, Peter Mendelsohn. I don't know if anybody knows him. He's a really great graphic, I mean, well, he does great de- book dis- jacket designs. And he has a big book that just came out last year of his designs. And he also wrote a book called What We See When We Read, which is really great, by the way. And um, so I didn't know Mendelssohn, but I wrote him an email and just said, you know, I'm working on this book and can I drop by and show you the book? So um, it was just one of these amazing moments where I I walk in, we're talking like maybe 30 seconds, I'm showing him the book. And he just takes a quick look at it and he loves it. And then he goes, but this cover, it shouldn't be, this is wrong. He was like, this cover, um," I was glad he was completely honest with me. He just said, you shouldn't have on the cover the same thing that you have inside the book. And it was like he just it was like he shot me in between the eyes. Yeah. It was just like, You're absolutely right. This sounds perfectly reasonable. And then he said, Okay, I'm just gonna throw this out, but why don't you just put the outside of the outside of the house on the book? And I was like, You're brilliant. This is brilliant. <laughs> that's exactly what I need to do. And so I I left the meeting and I was all excited and then I painted I don't know how many versions of this trying to solve it And I could not solve the problem every time I painted it It looked like this like home magazine or something with this window. It just looked really terrible and then I kept simplifying it and simplifying it and then I put that dramatic uh, Shadow across and I thought okay. I'm getting closer and this this is the strange hopper connection, which is really weird was Uh, There's a really famous Hopper painting called Sunday Morning. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's kind of a low red building (laughs) and the sun is hitting across the the street and there's nobody on the street and it's just like this rectangular, desolate image with a strong shaft of light. It's so crazy. I'm like doing some research, looking for images and stuff and then I see online there's an essay somebody wrote and says that um, that painting was painted right on the corner of where I live and um, so I, I was passing it every day and I was taking photos when the Sun was hitting at a certain angle I'm taking photos of those windows and and then I find out like there was there, there was, a, there was the, his in his research he found an old photograph that had the barber pole and the the um, fire hydrant that lined up perfectly to the painting So I was actually using that source without even realizing it. So anyway, so then, yeah. So So I I paint this finely, the window with the dramatic light and this thing. And the word here is really big and I just keep making it smaller and smaller. And then I put it small and I was like, okay, I think this is it. And I send it to Peter Mendelssohn and he writes me back just one line. He says, close the curtain over the word. And then that puts the word inside the room. And I was like, oh, like, it was like so brilliant, you know. So I, every time I have, feel I have to give him his nod. Okay? So, yeah.
4: The only other one I wanted to quickly mention, I have no idea if you've
3: seen this, but this is, this is the only thing
4: that, that I really thought of strongly when I was reading the book. It's right. a film by mm-hmm. a guy called, Spig Rybczynski. big name of oh, yes, It's yes, yes, called yes. Tango.
3: Yes, 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 I right. love Well. This guy—I don't
4: know—lots of films similar, cut up
3: uh, with a a static camera and time moving. Yeah, I don't know. Tango in particular. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if anybody knows this guy. He made—he went on to make some music videos and had a little moment where he was very, um, you know, had. But he never made a feature film. He just made these short films, and I think it's Tango. The one—is that the one with like? It's a room. It's a room. And there's, like, a kid walks by, throws a ball into the... Ball comes in through the window. the window.
4: The kid comes in to re-
3: retrieve it. And, and then he crawls out again. And then it, and then it pops so, back yeah, in. So he, yeah, so he's a loop. The kid's mm-hmm. a loop. And then the, all these other loops start happening. And somebody comes in and puts down a package. And then another person puts a ladder in. And, they, and they're all... And the There's amazing. couples
4: coming in making love on the bed. There's guys falling off ladders. It's, but, it's, the, the room is a chaos of little loops of people. But it's pre-digital. It's, it's
3: pre-digital. Yeah,
4: cut out the, the photographs. Yeah,
3: yeah. It's uh, it's it's a masterpiece. I think you can see it on YouTube. Yeah. Um, and you know. Yeah. And then it's slowly it.
4: empties out. Slowly, one of them doesn't loop. Right. And then slowly, slowly empties out. Right. And the ball pops back in, and the boy retrieves it, and that's it. Right. Great film. See. Good. I forgot that. See, oh, about that. Polish,
0: Polish video. It's Polish. Or yes, Yeah, it's Polish, yeah. In, Sp- speaking of British name. Aronstone, like, like appliances—they ripped it off for a TV advert. Really? Uh, like, like, their
3: uh, advertising oh. for yeah. you. I don't <laughs> yes. know what he's doing now, but really. Well, he's still good. he's
4: still working. He went to America, made some made some bigger budget, but kind of less interesting. Oh, oh. Uh, but always stayed within the art video area, mm. doing doing gallery exhibitions, but they were videos. Mm. Never went into narrative film okay i think we're getting close to sort of question and answers Uh, so think think of questions
1: here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs coming off their parents plan or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig
3: Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get
1: started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight
3: loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Questions?
4: Um, is there anything else we need to cover? Well, that's probably... We've done history. We've done animals. Plenty.
3: You know, one thing, I, I, when I was working on the book, I knew going back into it, that I wanted to do an interactive version of it, yeah. and for the last two years I, I, was at, I was giving a talk about my work, and it just happened to be a, a programmer in the audience and the guy was just this brilliant guy who took the original strip um, and he just made this little model of it, and he showed me how he could do it and so and he, so we worked together closely over the last two years on on this project and so what you've been looking at so far is... Just, there, is there it is. Oh, there's that bear. Oh, see, I wonder what the hell, hell that
4: was. It's, that is evolution
3: having Very, a bad day. Yeah, that's kind of scary. The thing about this interactive version is you can, you, we've been paging through it. Oh, Tell me who these guys are. Guys having a fight. There's <laughs> nothing.
4: Okay. People, fight. Family members? Uh, could yeah. be. Um, oh, I really like that spread. I love that spread. Oh, with the, with different, the, different little uh, moments in 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 insults uh, in sea of, sound. Sea of insults. Little moments in sound. The one that the one that got me was nerd. At hmm. uh, being in 1950. Well, um, because you associated so much with sort of recent use,
3: right? But it is 1950. Well, this is one of the re- things I did. <laughs> yeah, researching in the library. Where was it? First know, seen? Finding, yeah, I mean, finding the dictionaries, finding the first uses of these these <laughs> insults. Usually the, the translation version. The, there's ten translations so far, and it's very funny to see how that's always um, uh, worked out.
4: Um, but, but was that important? But it was first used in Doctor Zeus. Was that was that in, was that? Oh, I don't important? know about that. Ah,
3: yeah.
5: Oh,
4: I didn't know. First that. use of nerd. Really? Word
3: nerd, he Seuss. invented it. Yeah. Oh, well, that's amazing. I didn't know that. Um, so the thing with this interactive version, what you've just been seeing now is just me flipping through pages of the book. But if you the, the program is made so when you click the um, date in the upper left corner, it starts to re, re, um, reassemble the, the panels. So then you start to get random connections. Is it random or is there a structure? It's random. It is random. I, the more I've been playing with it, I've been seeing things like... And this is something... I'm, there's a constant talk between me and the programmer where we're improving, trying to find... Like if there's... Uh, it, it is satisfying when you have uh, a cluster that seems to go well together. So we're, we're, we are building certain um, things into the randomization. So sometimes it's more satisfying when you have like, you know, you click on that deer head and then suddenly a deer shows up and then, so there are some connections. Tendencies. But, but that it doesn't happen every time. No. That's the important thing is that it's always surprises. Yeah. So, and also there's little bits of animation that are, are in here and I'm hoping, I, well actually before I even show you a thing like that, like you can follow a thread just by clicking the frame. So you can just follow it like a wormhole of a story. And like in this particular story of the artist and the model, um, I wrote a really long narrative for that, and I cut it from the book because it slowed down the book. But I'm thinking about putting it back into the uh, e-book mm. version. But even then, it would be a surprise because it, it wouldn't happen every time.
4: Well, But this is kind of an infinite project, really, for you, isn't it? Because well, I, they, they, you've got these little moments. You've skipped a stone across the surface of this, this story. And below and above are an infinite number
3: of stories you could then I mean, tell. In theory, I could be doing this. Forever, So yes. I don't want to be stuck into the room for the rest of my life. Here's another little example uh, of the animation of the kind of, But I'm making beautiful the animation animations just what? tiny, tiny little things. So when they happen, they feel really <laughs> special when they do happen. So
4: And the cat was the star of the short of the short story as well. So
3: I'm glad he's back. Well, you know, in the first version, he was a cat of the future. And now he's a cat of the past. Uh, so that's a strange thing. And also he's different, walking in a different direction because of his um, place and time. Is that bear suit? There's the bear suit. See, there's a cluster of costumes, a costume cluster. That's a nice image. I like it. Like yeah. This. Okay. Okay. And actually, there's a, few, there's a few things you don't see in the book because they're covered up by panels, you know? <laughs> and so when this, you don't see this image here. With, uh, you don't see it f- uh, fully. So, so originally, you did all the images clean and you In uh, some cases, if, it was, if someone was in the room and not in a panel, I felt I had to do the whole space even if it's not you know okay so okay so okay but for the
4: inset panels that that that's the image that you made
3: yeah you didn't go beyond that yes yes but um you know um, there's so many um i think that i'm gonna well what i was saying like this version now is available through uh ibooks and um it best, works, works best on the iPad, because that's where you get all the interactiveness. There's a little drip coming from this uh, ceiling over here. I'm gonna let that go. Um, so um, it does work on other readers, because it has to, mean, um, especially, well, in the US, it's only on the, in the, on the iPad. But here, you have to have something read, it has to be available on all platforms. So if you bought this on the Kindle, it would just be like flipping through the book. There's nothing interactive about it. So that's a shame that this is the way it is. But, uh, so don't buy Kindles. We don't buy Kindles, do we? Well, whoever. We like I mean, I, some people told me they were frustrated with the fact.
4: So does the drip turn into the end of the world
3: with the, with the shark above uh, you and the water uh, coming no. in? No. <laughs> no? <laughs> um, Not yet? No, yeah. uh, you know, actually, when I go back to New York, I'm going to be meeting with these people who do um, um, virtual reality stuff. And I thought, I thought it'd be really fun to have a, uh, a version where you can actually go into the room. Is and that then, Oculus Rift, Rift people or what other people? I'm not at liberty to say. You're not at liberty to say, <laughs> but be Hopefully there'll be panels hanging in midair and then you can just like walk right through them yeah. and just pop into the So anyway, it's just something I thought I should investigate. I, I mean, I do have other ideas that I want to get to. So it's like I have a list of other projects. You do? Yes, I do. So okay. uh, I will get to them. They're going to
4: take place next door or I hope in it's the not kitchen? Going to be,
3: yeah, right. I hope it's not going to be like another 25 years before okay. I have another book.
4: Well, that's that's great. I think we we should probably... Uh, should we do some questions from the floor? Um, Richard, you, uh, uh-huh. you were in Liquid Liquid, uh-huh. and you wrote the bass line to one of the... Uh, a good bass
3: line. Okay. <laughs> <Thanks. laughs> one of the great two-note uh, bass lines. That's a good song. Uh, did you do the video to Kevin as well? Oh, no, no, I didn't. We were, I mean, that was my, before I was even involved with animation at all, and we were approached by this guy, um, Michael Sporn, who, uh, he just passed away last last year, but he just came to the record company and said he wanted to do it, and he did it, and he got it onto, you know, I mean, it got a little airplay. But there was a moment when it was reissued, when the record was reissued in 1997 with Moax, I, I did a... Uh, 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 they asked me if I had a video and I happened to be watching this um, great, great animator, Oscar Fishinger, who made this animation in 1927. That, well, most of his films were abstract and he worked a little bit with Disney on the Fantasia film. It was actually his idea to do Fantasia and then Disney cut him out of the picture at a certain point. But he did a lot of abstract films and his earliest, earliest film is is this black and white Really trippy uh, thing about two guys drinking, and um, it's uh, just these silhouettes. But it's very very rubbery because it's made of clay, and he had this way of working. And it was so it's just these silhouettes, and it gets just as psychedelic as you can with black and white. And uh, I had this, I had it on my TV when I got this call, and then I was like, I called this friend of mine who was a a film historian, and he said um, that. Oscar Fishinger had passed away, but his widow was still alive, and he had her address, and I wrote her a letter, and I went out to meet her in California, and I licensed the film, and it is, it is amazing the way it syncs up with that song, it's just like, and I've, uh, now she's passed away, and they won't let me renew the license of it, and it's her daughter that's in the way, and she just she refuses but anyway, it's a beautiful thing. I've, I've p- posted it on YouTube, and it's immediately taken down. So, But there are copies of it floating around in the world. And if you get a chance to see it, Oscar Fishinger, he's the man. He he's, he's amazing. Like, but you were,
4: and you did some animation.
3: I yeah, I did animation much later. I did, worked on two films. Um, you can fears see fears in the
4: Dark, do you want to say something about it?
3: Yeah, Fears of the Dark. Um, you can see a little... Piece of it on my site, which is just my name, Richard, and then there's a dash maguire.com, and there's a little piece of it there. And there's another, uh, there's a few little animated things on there that I did.
4: Buy the DVD, down. it's a great film. Composite film, film, several, uh, yeah, the, several short stories. Fears, fears The dark. did one.
3: It was a, it was a uh, French uh, produced film, and there's uh, six different animators, and I did the last 15 minutes of that film.
2: I was just wondering what size you work and kind of the medium you used it seemed to me that you you mix your mediums yeah and well, I, just I was kind of yeah you
3: I didn't want to go back to the original way that the first version looked cuz it was just done in pen and ink back in pre digital days stone age of working this way and I didn't want to go back to it and I when I was starting to gear up for this I was really hunting to decide how to do it and I was doing things in various sizes I was just experimenting doing watercolors and paintings and gouaches and pencil drawings and then um, started scan, scanning them and sometimes recolor the, coloring them on a computer and uh, there's some vector art in there but at a certain point I decided not to I, I thought they all looked great together because they felt like they all had different uh, atmospheres and temperatures and uh you know it looked like a scrapbook and started to make sense to me as as kind of just time like even in the execution of the drawings i did some really rough sketches and then i was kind of and i would never ordinarily let myself show work like that but then i was like hey in this context it looks interesting because it's like it's another time element also and then even in the choice of palettes i was looking at uh there's a lot of faded photographs that I was looking at and just loving the crazy color that happens. So I was using that as a direction. I thought, okay, even color has this time element to it. So, um, but I really was mixing it up. I mean, some of those images, like the, the mothers and babies, the paintings are big. And after, also I was, I, was, uh, I was working smaller as the project went on just so I could scan things quicker. So it's a lot of times I'm working one-to-one, exactly the same size of the book, you know. How, how long did, it, did you
0: work? A, sorry, you oh, i sorry.
3: Oh, the last, I think that I did a year of research, and then maybe the last two years were the real crunch of uh, working. And I had I hired a, a guy to help me with the InDesign program, and I drove him absolutely crazy. The poor guy. It's like, he, I, I put him in the book, <laughs> but he's like... Uh, he, I would have my walls, and I was constantly cutting up things, and he'd come in one day a week to kind of update all my changes, and I just drove him absolutely crazy. And he quit the last two weeks before the project was due. He was like, "I just can't take it," and he was like, "No more changes." And I'm like, "But that has to be done!" And he just walked. And then suddenly, at a party, I met somebody who actually was came up to me and was like, "You know, I love your work. I'd love to work for you." And I'm like. Thank God! It was like this, like amazing, like like transition where the next person knew all about how to work with, because um, the same person had to d- develop the images for the um, for the programmer to use. So it was somebody who's already involved with doing interactive stuff, and so it was a perfect thing. But anyway.
4: So your first designer wasn't the dead body in the bag in in, uh, in one of the images. there?
3: he's he's everything's cool with him now. Okay.
0: Hi, um, quick question here about the, uh, what, what it actually is, what here is, I mean to me it looks like a comic book of sorts mm-hmm. and um, I was interested to, to know if um, you know, it was a deliberate attempt to kind of do something new with the medium, I mean what, what I really enjoyed about my experience of reading here the book,
3: uh-huh. and
0: I read the original um, uh-huh. a while ago, I saw it, it was in the top 100 comics in the comics journal so I hunted right. it down, right. really loved it, thought it was fascinating. But um, I love the, the kind of sense that the three dimensionality of it, mm-hmm. that you actually inhabit the room when you open the book. Right, right. And I wonder if that was a deliberate thing, um, you know, to, to include the reader in some sort of three dimensional space when you pop the book open. Yes, and, yes. Um, you know, how that compares. To me, that's more powerful than the iPad edition and oh, dro- dropping and things like that. Much as that's lovely, it doesn't right. seem as transcendental in a way as, that's funny. as the book. Well And I just wondered if that okay. was, was a conscious effort. Is it a comic, first of all? And secondly, was there a, a, a sort of sense of like wanting to do something with the comics medium that would, would move it on?
3: Well, okay, a few parts to that. First, when I did the thing originally, I had no idea I was breaking ground when I did the original idea of the multiple panels. Um, I think that this the book does definitely, I, I studied sculpture in school and I was even thinking about that, I was thinking, Maybe there was something to the... I mean, I don't even... I think I built a a version of the room out of cardboard, and um, I think it was when I built it that I noticed, that I really physically noticed, thinking, oh, I could do the the corner of the room in the book. But I think it took me that (laughs) that long to figure that out. And then... um, The only reason I built the room, actually, was because um, I was trying to get the lighting correctly, and I put a, a light on a pole, and I videotaped the room. And I was doing this thing with the sun, like moving the sun, and seeing how the light came into the space. So the opening page where you have the end pages, and you see the light coming in, it was I painted that from the video image that I made. But um, I was always trying to think of ways of you know, getting at the same thing. But I have to say that the advantages, there are advantages of the first Version having a multiple of six um, frames per page because your eye can move around so quickly and you can start making associations. That it's really, I mean, talking about the diagram thing of, that Spiegelman was talking about. It's like having a map or something. It's like there's no other medium I can think of where you can do this kind of quick uh, cre- creation in your head. You know, I mean, there was a film version that some students made. And it just showed me that's that's where I first realized the power of comics, thinking, you know you showed this as a as a linear film, and it's like a window opens, it closes it's like it just takes forever. It's not like this multiple thing where you get to choose and so the book has its advantages for that architectural structure of the corner, which I really when I solved that, I thought, okay, now I have to go with this because it seemed to make sense, and uh, there was a moment where I thought about shuffling all the pages of the book, so each book was going to be completely unique. And I went to the publisher about it, and they were like, you mean somebody's got to do that by hand? You know, like, who's going to do that? And so they were a little bit scared of it. And then I thought, oh, I'm being too crazy. I should let the book... Ha- the book has a, this, this perfect arc, and so that's when I made the story have a beginning and an end, and I, kept, I felt, let the book be the book, and then let the interactive version be the interactive version, because that's what that does best. And, you know... So I think they each have their power and that's what I'm always, I guess that's the thing is just to be, you know, I always like mixing it up with mediums and I like to try to find what that medium does best and follow it through.
4: I always thought the great power of comics, the reason why I love comics so much, is what's not there. There isn't motion there, literally, Mm -hmm. and there isn't sound and there isn't music, but there is all of those things Book. But those are all happening in your head right, and so that's the conversation you're providing right. this 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 uh, this starting point, and well, then you bring so much more of the conversation to it I think that's why the people that love comics comics fans mm-hmm. uh, really love comics is because mm. they they've invested so much in the uh, telling of the story right
3: well I mean there was uh, the publishers were saying, are you going to add sound or music to your And I just thought, it's not a reading experience. I'm trying to keep it, I mean, I didn't want it to look like a bad film, you know? It's like, I just thought it should just remain, like, even the little bits of animation. The only reason I'm doing that is because I'm, it's because I was thinking about those small moments that I really wanted to emphasize. So when you have a curtain blow through and then the curtain goes back again, it never happens again. It's just like, just to make a little golden moment, you know? So it's not really about, it's like, you know, animated GIFs or GIFs, I don't know how. Like someone once, I read some article that was talking about they're either the compression of cinema or the expansion of photography. The idea of having just a little tiny uh, moment is definitely connected to memory for me. Yes. I mean, that feels yeah. so much closer to memory. It's the Chris
4: Marker moment where the yeah. eye blinks. Exactly and right. There
3: is. Yeah. There's a gentleman over there being very
5: patient. Think he's putting his hands up. Do you want to yes. um, I was just wondering, because you're mostly in the same point the same place for the entire book um how did you keep yourself motivated how do you keep sane?
3: oh my god it was hard there were some days i just couldn't get out of bed and i was like why did you think you could do this book and it was that was the hardest thing i would say to anybody is just i mean the the big thing is just to keep your i don't know how to say i i mean it just Took a lot of effort just to keep the focus. That's all. I mean, I just I knew I had to do it, and I was even late with the delivering the book. I mean, I just I tried the best I could, and I was and every day just chipping away, chipping away, chipping <laughs> away until I got it done. So, uh,
4: so you had the whole thing structured. I didn't really talk about that. You had the whole thing planned, so you knew when you were going to get. You couldn't just sort of stop. Of course, I'm done. No, no, I was it's I was mixing it. I was pages. mixing
3: it up until the end. Right, right, right to the end. Okay. Driving everyone completely out of their minds. Until but you I'm obviously t- definitely had that endpoint. Well, I had to so feel right. It wasn't. Didn't feel done. Just didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and when it was done, then I was like, okay, okay, I can. I can live with this being out in the world, okay. you know. But I was having other pressures because I was uh, there was a museum show and I, I, and I had to make sure. So it was like I was getting it from all sides. At that point,
6: uh, it's a bit of a follow-up uh, to other questions about the book. I, I also read here when it came out in RAW, and my memory of the book, of the story now, has to do with my battered edition, second-hand edition of RAW. Uh-huh. And I was very excited when I heard that it was coming out as a book, and I have to say the British edition is, is lovely. It's, it's uh, nice to touch, in the oh, and the uh, jacket. There's this issue with the artwork that it gets obscured with the binding, and you pass the pages, there's bits of the artwork that you cannot see as you, not only when you remove the panels that you have on top right. that you could just described before, but the fact that you actually open the book and you, you don't want to break the book, right? Mm. <laughs> um, a friend found this uh, uh, frustrating and I found mm. it nice. I thought it was part of the, you know, codex nature of the publication that was lovely. Right. So I was wondering, yes, I mean, if you could, if you if you If you see that memory has also to do with the material qualities of publications or photographs or if you think that's a thing that only old people like me will still uh, you know feel attached to uh, you know the memory of paper or the memory of stuff that you could not see because it was presented in a particular platform mm. that has been superseded will people think that the book is like a secondary is this edition for those of us who don 't have iPads or is it no, right? No, um, it's like each you, one is you? so
3: important. Each two, I, I, and books aren't going anywhere, you know. Books are be with us. I mean, all we need is like one solar flare, and all these uh, everything that is digital is going to be disappeared in no you know blink of an eye, and we still have ancient books with us. So I feel you know, books are, are sturdy. Uh,
6: yes, yeah, so I'm
3: very happy with the way it was published, and I was trying my best to keep. Um, the idea of the gutter, keep things out of the gutter, I mean, I was thoughtful of that as much as I could be, possibly be, so um, maybe it's good to have both the iPad and the, the remix.
2: This is a question, I guess, for both of you. Uh, you both work in collage and mixed media, and if I'm not dating myself too much, you both come out of the 1980s in some way, and I wasn't there at the time, sorry. Uh huh. <laughs> It's okay. <laughs> do you see Do you um, see any relationship between the work that you're both doing in collage and in mixed media? And is there something to do with the time, the the 1980s? That there's something particularly important about that time. I'm not sure that you see that in the same way now. I don't see I don't. many books like here coming out now.
3: Yeah, but it doesn't feel like it. I mean, even though it's based on something I did 25 years ago, I feel it's a totally different thing. I don't know. And also, I feel in a weird way, you know, when I was talking about the Windows program as being the thing that tipped it off, and now I can do the iPad version, and I couldn't have done that any time in between, you know. I mean, I signed a contract to do the book in 1999, and my the <laughs> p- publisher never called me once. They were just like, he- "He's working on it, you know, it's okay." <laughs> and uh, I, uh, there was no language at all in the original contract of because this didn't exist yet. So I had to go, we had to talk about all that, you know. So um, maybe it just took that long to finally, you know, finally be able to come around to, you know, I don't know. Um, But do you really? Do you think there's anything? I mean,
4: there's something interesting about that time. Uh, Most of my teachers, I don't know if 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 you suffered the same, uh, were came out in the '60s. They all loved pop art. They loved Richard Hamilton. They loved that sort of attitude to, uh, you know, collaging together elements to, to create uh, memories and create uh, different narratives within one image. Uh, well, so those were, those were my teachers. We were a, all into semiotics and semiology. That's interesting.
3: I mean, uh, all my teachers, well, most of my teachers at Rutgers University, I went to, they were all Fluxus members. They were all like, um, you know, uh, conceptualists. And I know that, you know, I was a huge fan of like Duchamp, and I think that that's probably the roots of more of where I'm coming from. It was just like, not repeating what I do or trying not to, and I mean, <laughs> try not to at least think of things that could be conceptually whole on their own, and you know.
4: And then, I think we both started working in the 80s, and the 80s was, you know, the, the, this amazing decade of moving from analog to digital, yeah. sampling. That's true. Uh, you know, digital collage, Photoshop, it was bound into everything around me. And I I mean I still draw and paint for the time, make make get my hands dirty. But it's absolutely in my blood. Mm. That that sampling uh mm. is in my
3: blood. Well somebody pointed that out to me the other day. They said they talked about the, there's a Christian you know I don't know if people everyone knows Christian Marclay, the artist who did a film called The Clock, which is great. It's a twenty four hour film and he cut together all these uh, images from every single Hollywood movie and I guess global movie that shows an image of a clock and the film moves in real time so whenever there's you know you'll see you know it's 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 quite an amazing thing and if anybody gets a chance to see it they should I totally went nuts when I saw it but I was thinking of that and I was thinking of boyhood as being this like strange thing of time but um What I was gonna say is we've never had access to such a massive amount of material to, nobody could have made the clock back in whatever that was. So just the idea that we have so much input, right, uh, you know, available to us, you know? I mean, I didn't have these sources when I did the original, I was using, you know.
2: Digital books, particularly interactive ones, are an area of real interest to me. Um, And I think that, you know, they do something completely different to a physical book. And I'm not into the argument that they're in competition with each other or one's gonna kill the other one. I think that's, right. that's pointless. Right. But um, what does puzzle me a little bit is what exactly does the digital interactive book do? I think there's, a, there's been so much research on what the physical book does, uh-huh. particularly you know, comic books and um, especially Scott McCloud saying that um, the, 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 the addition of animation to a comic, messes with the idea of space and time. And I I feel like here is really about that, here chronologically and here spatially. And Uh um, whilst I don't necessarily agree with that concept of space and time, I was wondering what you felt about it as someone who's made
3: one. I was just excited to be able to do a remix version of my book. It seemed it's such a perfect medium to play with. And I never bought, a, I never downloaded, I, I bought the iPad when I met the programmer because I was like, okay, you know, let's get to work. And I never downloaded, I mean, I've downloaded, I've downloaded Audible books because I like to have something when I'm painting or that I can listen to. Uh, I download podcasts all the time. But, um, you know, for this particular story, it seemed like the perfect medium. But I don't know about adding animation to comics. I don't think it necessarily adds anything to But what do you know. think it
2: adds uh, as opposed to? It, why why, do, why was it a secondary idea? I'll make a digital version now.
3: Well, the, I just like the idea of expanding the non of it. And I like the idea that uh, it's mix. It's showing me things about the book that I didn't even know. Like the new combinations. It's like there's, I don't know, there must be thousands of possibilities. You know? Like... I I haven't calculated it, but, you know, when you have just a normal deck of cards of 52 cards and it seems like an infinite infinite variety of Mm. possibilities, when I think about the amount of frames there are, it's probably thousands of... And I'm still surprised at some of the connections. And when I see a really good, particularly good combination, I take a photograph of it and I'm doing a box set of uh, silkscreen editions of just uh, the the best of the remix version (laughs) of it. So I think that's, I don't know. I mean, I always just keep thinking of permutations of how I can make this thing uh, reinvent itself at this point. But um, I don't know. I don't know about the future of... uh, At the same way, I don't know anything. I don't really feel I know anything about comics either. I feel like I just, you know, I'm following my own interests. And when somebody asked earlier, is it comics or not? It's like... I, you know, I don't know what the hell it is. It's just like, it's just like an investigation that I'm, I have one of this, you know, I mean, it has word balloons, so I guess it's comics, but, um, you know, you know, that means, you know.
2: I haven't had a chance to read the book yet, but I was wondering if you found yourself focusing oh, by accident on a particular period, because um, a lot of them are sort of like you as a child and like sort of like your family and things like that, or is it just very random? Are there like a particular kind of time frame that you sort of
3: well, go back to a lot? Yeah, I made a chart uh, to show the publisher, uh, to say, and at the heart of it was my family. And then there was spinning off all these possibilities of all these things, and I had all these arrows and trying to make sense of what, and it does seem to center, I mean, the home is the center. It's my parents' home, it's not really, like I felt like I lived there, you know, until I was old enough to move out, but they lived there 50 years, and so they lived there, you know, it's really their story. They show up more often than anyone else. So I guess that's really the center. I show up a couple of times, even later, I show up I'm arguing with my dad <laughs> in the few, no, in the last uh, in the two, early 2000s yeah, so it may may be just that it, you know that 's the personal part. It had to center yeah. around my my I, I my family it
2: kind
3: of 's not that co- well, you know, I tried my best to be as i mean you know <laughs> my timeline, try to keep it interesting i mean there's glaciers going by and that when the you know the whole thing about the the Lenape Indians living there eleven thousand years, I was reading a book. There was a really great exhibition of um, called Manhattan, and it was all about um, Manhattan and what it looked like early, in, you know, when it was still before it was taken built up. And um, they were, they said had this one line in the book that was talking about in Greenwich Village. There's all these windy streets, but they were once footpaths in the in the uh, forest. And I was like, oh, that's, I'm gonna use that. And uh, I just had the idea of like, you know, okay, the road, was, you know, it used to be a footpath, and before that, it was like maybe a, a dried up river ba- bank, and then be- that river was wider, and maybe it was, so that was the only way I could show that passage of time was, was that way.
2: Would you say something about your choice of color and what you, what do you think the effect of that choice was on the mood and the atmosphere mm-hmm. of that lovely book? Oh,
3: thanks. Um, well, I had, uh, you know, I was using faded photography as a one use of the choices of the color when it's like a really odd, uh, especially there's differences in the 1950s faded photography and the 70s faded photography because the emulsions were different. And so I was using that as a basis, but also I had a file where if I just saw color combinations that I enjoyed, I just kept dropping them in. And then when I came to to coloring the pages, I would just just open something randomly and just like fill color and just be experimenting all the time with, but they were just based on a lot of palettes that came from like, um, like I looked at a lot of Japanese woodblock prints and I loved that stuff. And then there was like a real, uh, response by a lot of french artists in the turn of the century that used the limited palettes that is another thing that really touches me and i really was um stealing from the best of them i guess <laughs> to use their their some palettes so um that's that's about all i can say on that i sorry
5: this isn't really a question it's uh, it's just a kind of um uh, public service announcement i guess um I'm Richard's editor here in London at Hamish Hamilton and I wanted to mention something that I think everyone here will be really interested in because Richard mentioned a show um, which was actually at the Morgan Library at the end of last year and it was a really amazing show in one room because it was it showed the, the books and the the things that inspired Richard, partly in the, in the making of this book, and the, the sketches, the drawings, the photographs, the workings of the book, the acrylic um, painting of the cover. It was a really amazing show. And um, with Richard's help, what we've done is put it together as a 60-page uh, downloadable PDF that you can print off from, um, it's part of this magazine we do called Five Dials. If, if you remember Five Dials, go to fivedials.com now, and, or after this, I mean, and uh, download it at 60 pages Basically about 50 plus pages of images, like a cascade, a waterfall going down, and then a text at the end by Joel Smith about the making of the book. And it's called, yeah, The Making of Here. And I think if you enjoyed this, I'd really recommend it because there's some beautiful things in there that um, Richard has very kindly allowed
3: us to reproduce in this way. So that's my announcement. Thank you. Thank you, Simon. Yeah, there's some photographs at the very end of it, too, that show the original uh, exhibition. And there's an exhibition in Paris right now. I was just
4: going to mention that. If you want to buy some originals, the originals are...
3: Yeah, yeah. But it's a real mix. Because I was doing... um, There's some paintings I made actual size. So there's uh, the cover is like the size of a real window. And then I did the flip side of that with the light coming into the room. So there's real paintings. There's an addition I did of uh, uh, the empty room from the original strip. And then I was... Bought all these rubber stamps and I was uh, creating um, individual prints from each one for each one, so there was kind of like another remix version of it. Uh, but there's a lot of uh, you know some of the watercolors are for sale and some of the drawings and stuff. So, it's, like in it's a Gallery Martel and Paris. the
0: future, mm-hmm. and you, you showed a very sort of fun example there. I just wondered um, how those two. To, to kind of look at obviously so there's the aspects yeah, sort of looking at memory and the, you know the, how much fun it was to kind of predict things
3: and how oh. well uh, affected your way of thinking. That was the hardest part was doing the future stuff. And uh, the last lecture I gave in New York, there was a guy. I, I was like saying, well, I didn't want I didn't want to show any dark Blade Runner future. And then the, the guy who wrote the screenplay was in the audience, <laughs> and it was like this really embarrassing thing afterwards, but anyway. But I don't know what the, I can say anymore about that in the memory that I hadn't already said, but um, you know. There's an ecological theme. A little, a little bit, we'll nod to that. <laughs> I think it, just a quick
0: one. What's your favourite spread of the lot? Is there one that stands out as just like, that was just got the most well, satisfaction the, out of
3: the room? The woman looking out the window with that shadow, I, that's one of my favourites. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Uh,
4: well. And so, um, um, and you've mentioned a couple of things that you're thinking about. What mm-hmm. do you think you'll be here to talk to us about next? I don't know.
3: I have a few half-written books in my drawer that finished? I'll get to. And I want to have an idea in, for a feature film that I want to work time. on. Oh, great. So that's another thing
4: have you enjoyed working with film That's a whole absolutely
3: because it seemed to be a real distilling of a, well a combination of a lot of things that my interest yeah, I yeah. love uh, everything about it great
4: yeah. and the sound you've got you've got sound and music to play with yes a bigger toolbox yes
3: it's fun working with people that I don't is. like I mean it's, you know, it's nice working alone and it's also fun working with people yeah. thank you very much thank you very much for coming thank you very much Thanks for listening.
4: To find out more about London Review Bookshop events, visit londonreviewbookshop.co.uk forward slash events.
0: ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend.
1: This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way.